Welcome back to Trad Men, week two of the liturgical New Year Advent. Jason, how you doing? Pretty good, Mark. How you doing? Advent week two in the wake of Vatican II. There's a lot of deuces float, floating around here, right? <laughs> I'm Richard Nixon. We're the sequel with no equals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> folks, this is a, let me tell you something. There's been 40-some-odd episodes of Trad Men, and they're not all going to be winners, okay? Yeah, can't but this one is. Us. But this, this one, one is. Yeah, I, well, you know, it remains to be seen. I'll I'm be ambitious. Okay, well, I've had kind of an interesting week. Can't wait to get into it. I've injured myself. Um, My left foot has swollen up like a balloon. I can barely walk on it, if at all. So uh, I haven't. And here's the great part. You learn that you learn not to make your Latino wife mad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Call that Hispanic panic. Okay. Uh, no. Uh, the the funny thing is, and as you those of you who um, are listeners and who are getting on in years, shall shall we say, I have no idea what I did to my foot to injure it. So I don't remember. You would think something that is that bad? I would remember banging it on something or stretching it in a weird way or something. But no, once, once you wake up past age 40, things just sort of hurt and you have no uh-huh. idea why. And, and it just gets worse. And um, yeah, you become very evident of the, fall. you become very aware of the fall. Yeah. That you, you become more aware that to dust, you shall return Indeed. because you, you're laying in bed. You, you look at your wife, all of a sudden you've got a neck injury for three days. <laughs> <laughs> If you only knew how true it was, man. <laughs> well, you young bucks, your day's coming. Just, just, just your day's coming. I remember the, I remember the days when I could like fall off a skateboard at sixty miles an hour and get up, dust myself off, and and keep on going. Those, I remember those times. Nowadays, yeah, like like Jason you wake said, up. you know, you look at a slice of pizza, you gain sixty pounds just like that. Um, <laughs> all right, well. Uh, and and now that now that we know that I have foregone the no complaining thing that I was trying to do last week, <laughs> uh, I think before we begin, we will invoke the divine blessing and um, and see if we can have an edifying discussion on how we're doing with Advent. And for those of you who are uh, listening along, please feel free to join us. Jason, it's all yours, my brother. All right. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Dear Jesus, you entered our world on Christmas as the Prince of Peace. This Advent, as we strive to become the best version of ourselves, fill us with a deep and abiding peace. Help us share that peace with everyone we encounter, especially those who need it most. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Jason, you had kind of an ambitious um, um ambitious menu for for advent how's how yeah. how did it go how did week one go okay so i think overall i was actually pretty successful um i think there was one aspect that was kind of out of my control um this weekend and i'll explain explain why this episode goes on but the one that i was that was the most important to me though was my prayer life and the mm-hmm. prayers and i am proud to report that all my prayers have been said and i actually added because as i was doing you know louds in the morning sex at noon and then vespers you know around 6 p.m mm-hmm. i said why don't i just add the angelus so i added the angelus and then when the 30th came on uh november 30th i, I one of my my devotions was the saint andrew um novena 
and you you recite that 15 times a day. So I'll I started saying that five times after. So I so I would do the little office of the Blessed Virgin. I would do the Angelus, and then I'll do my uh, five five of the Saint Andrew Novena, and then I'll just end with some, you know, Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on me, Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for me, Saint Joseph, pray for me. Who else? Saint Andrew, and then I'll ask. Uh, as I've started to do, I'll ask uh, servant of God, Father Amal Capon, to pray for me. So I, I I have hit every single one of those, and I tell you, I've noticed the difference because this week I was out of town all week, so I had to leave on Monday, drive to Midland. For those that aren't familiar uh, with Texas, it's about an eight-hour drive. Yeah, from, it's a hike. From, yeah, from where I'm at, came back, came got back Friday night, <clears throat> but. Uh, as I was driving there, you know, Monday and Friday, and then Tuesday I had to drive into New Mexico. Um, it was just a one-day trip, and I come back to Midland. And and even during the work day, the other days when I was at our yard there, I would stop. I made it a point to stop at noon and say my prayers regardless of what I was doing. So as I, when I was driving, I'd stop, pull over, and say it. And I tell you, it really slows down your way in a peaceful way mm-hmm. because because – as you start getting kind of worked up and maybe stressed out with the task of the day, I noticed that when I stopped and said my prayer, a lot of those weights seemed to be those pressures on your chest were just lifted. And it just, it seemed like it made the day just a little bit more peaceful at least. Did you have any instances where um, you, uh, you know, you're busy doing something or you're, you're, you're driving to Midland or something like that. And it's like, I don't really want to pray, but I'm going to force myself to pull over and pray anyway. Have you, did you run into any of that yet? Not sometimes that, sometimes that takes a while before that part kicks in. Yeah. Not in the middle of the day. Um, there might've been some lauds and vespers at times where I was, um, you know, it, it was more my deficiency and my impatience were because they're longer prayers. Sure. That that I would say, you know, that sometimes like, you just okay, don't feel like praying at five o'clock in the morning, you know. It's- right, right. Well, let me be clear. I didn't. I'm not for the laws. I didn't stick to the strict. You know, I I, sure. I get up between six and seven, and I would say yeah. it first thing. Yeah. I, I I never intended to keep it strict in that aspect, as far as, but but I just selected laws as as the prayer that I was going to do in the mornings. I don't know. You know, I know there may be purists out there with these uh, offices and stuff, but I'm just at the end of the day, I'm going to do the best I can with what I have. And, um, right. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, you're not, so you're not, you're not in a religious community. You yeah. don't have to keep it on a specific schedule and you work with, with the schedule that you have. And, and, you know, yeah. it's, it's important it's a, to, yeah. And sorry. it's a, yeah, I was just going to say it's a personal devotion, but again, if I'm honest, there were times with, with the laws and Vespers that it was kind of like, Okay, because you you know you still have other things to do, but it was one of those things that you stop, you look at my deficiency and my impatience and say, you're going to do it because you said you were going to do it type deal, and you know you struggle with this right now, your your prayer life and your patience. So I would stop, and it, it was like a, like many other things that are good for you, like a good workout or eating healthy. Once you're do- done, you're like, man, that, that made a difference. That was time well spent. Yes, exactly. How long? How long? Do, how long does um, does your morning your morning prayer routine typically take? Anywhere, probably between ten and fifteen minutes. I was going to yeah. time it one day just to see, just out of curiosity. But but I think I think uh, between ten fifteen minutes is what it was taking me. 
Okay, no, that's not that's 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 doable. Did you uh, did you pray in in Latin or English? English. Yeah. English. Yeah. I I I have found, and if and of course, as lay people, we uh, I think it was Benedict the Sixteenth in the letter that accompanied Samorum Pontificum said that the laity um, may uh, pray the divine office in Latin or English. Um, and, and so that's perfectly permissible. Um, it's not a, there, there's a, there's a rumor out there in the, in the trad blogosphere that praying the breviary or the divine office in the vernacular is a liturgical abuse. That is false. Oh, that is incorrect. I've never heard, I didn't, I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a clue about that. <laughs> that is incorrect. Um, but I, I do find though, cause I, I started praying the, the divine office in Latin. If you got the, if you've got the chops for it, it's, it's a good way to stay focused on what you're doing. Cause like when I have to pray it in Latin, I have to really focus in on every word and um, it just forces me to slow down and take some time. Um, sometimes like early in the morning, I just, I just want to burn through, you know, I'm just like, yeah. I don't really, okay. So the architect of the earth has happened to the old earth, those hands, yeah, the universe shall sustain to thee with send an angel down. I, I, I'll do that. You know, if I start praying English, which is if I, if I pray it in Latin, I have to, Mundum pugilio continentes ventri sub arca claus. It forces you to say it slower, and yeah. um, so that, that's one one little strategy to do. Um, I actually um, broke down and bought uh, my very first hard copy of the Roman Breviary, um, which should come in sometime either Monday or Tuesday. I'm really excited, and I'll do I'll do an unboxing video here. We'll show you all the cool stuff I got. It's three volumes. It's Latin and English. Um, and I've always wanted to um, to pray the, the the divine office of the Roman Rite. Uh, but if you've ever priced out one of these things, they are prohibitively expensive. I mean, I think the Latin and English version put out by Baronius Press was like four hundred dollars. Yeah, my, my fingers hovered over the purchase button for like years on this one. And finally, I decided, okay, I'm just going to break down and get one. Because while you can pray the, the, the breviary on the site Divinum Officium for free, for me, like staring at a computer screen is not the same as like looking down at a book. It's purely a, a matter of taste. It doesn't mean that my way is better than anybody. In fact, I'm no. quite sure it's worse because it costs money. <laughs> Well, it's just, it's just like, it's just like e-readers. Like I, I have an e-reader and mm -hmm. I use it occasionally yeah. depending on, on the circumstances, but there's just nothing like a hard book in your hand. I agree, but the hard books are so expensive. And, and I think I was just gonna say, and even if you don't read it, just put it on your bookshelf. People will think, man, this dude, this dude is well-read. That's why you know? I do it. I do it. I do it strictly for human respect. I have no... <laughs> I have no interest in actually saying any of these prayers, you know. Oddly enough, oddly enough, I, I do, you know, we're going to put these books on our shelves for human respect, but nobody likes me enough to come to my house. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, they're there just in case, man. You know, yeah, you I'm ready. <laughs> no, I, so I, I hope when that comes in, I will uh, officially make the switch over to uh, the Roman breviary. I've been, I've been praying, a mixture of the monastic diurnal. Um, and then uh, lately I've been praying the little office of the blessed Virgin Mary because it's um, has a lot fewer moving parts to it. And I, 
I like the monastic diurnal, but it is definitely a prayer for Benedictines. You can you can tell, and there are parts in that prayer where, uh, like during the Confidior um, at, at Compline, um, you will you know, it it says, uh, "I confess to Almighty God." in front of saints peter and paul michael the archangel and all the saints and to our holy father benedict not that whole not that benedict isn't our holy father as as he is to the benedictines but it's very much a prayer geared towards benedictine monks and i've always kind of wanted to say the 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 roman breviary and now i get a chance to do that when it comes in and so hopefully that will be uh, something fruitful um what about the other aesthetic practices that you were so let me uh let me pull them up here and see if i cover them real quick make sure i do let's see the well i thought i had them pulled up my my aestheticism has not gotten off to a great start i'll be honest <laughs> i'll be honest with you uh i i tend to i tend to during penitential seasons have the opposite track that a lot of people have where they start off really strong and then by week four they've kind of tapered off I yeah. start off really weak, but then by week four, all the gears are humming, and I'm just you know in the groove. So hope hopefully uh, as as this Advent season progresses, I will um, get my you know what together and start being more of an aesthetic Christian. But well, like I I know I know not everybody agrees, especially if you look at our comment section. But I don't think perfection is necessarily the the deciding factor if your aesthetic or you know your penances and stuff like that are success are successful because there's much more uh to success and perfection and perfection while striving for perfection is good it can it can bring some negative side effects if you let it so you've got to kind of in my opinion you've got to kind of keep it in the proper view mm-hmm. of of your capabilities as a human yeah, I mean, we right. can't we can't all be the aesthetic masters that White Wolf is, but I mean, we're we're, we're doing our best. We're working our way up to him. So, um, <laughs> I can hear you in the comments section now, and you can save it. I don't care. <laughs> well, so Wednesdays and Fridays abstaining from meats. I, you know, I, I was able to do that. Um, though now, just that I thought about it, I ate some at the hotel on Friday. I ate uh biscuits and gravy and i'm trying to remember if i screwed up on friday i screwed I don't, up on friday i you know next time i'm at a holiday inn i'm gonna have to look because i didn't get any bacon i didn't get any sausage i didn't do any of that but i'm trying to think if they do that. so i'll have to check on that so i may have actually just inadvertently put gravy on there and don't remember if it had a little bit of well, meat, i took but, the wife out for sushi on friday which is our usual go-to if we're going out to eat on friday we'll go get sushi and yeah i I saw this appetizer for this. Um, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's like a Japanese style chicken nugget, basically. Okay. Yeah. And so it's a fried chicken thing. I said, Oh yeah, that looks interesting. I've never tried that. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm big into um, like fried, fried meats from yeah. the far East. Right. So I love Korean barbecue, love Korean fried chicken. I saw this Japanese fried chicken. I was like, Oh yeah, I got to try that. And like halfway into my second bite, Kayla's like, I thought you were observing Friday. And I, went, oh. I, I literally 
forgot what day it was yeah. I'm sitting there eating it. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you really have to stay on top of it because sometimes you're just flowing through the day. And and, and that's part of what it's supposed to do is make you stop and think, right? So, um, but no, I uh, – so, I, like I said, I was doing it on Wednesdays and Fridays. Wednesday came around and um, one of my coworkers, he was talking about – eating lunch or something i said well and they were wanting to go to a burger place and i was like well what do they have do they have anything else here and i kind of explained to them what i was doing you know as far as abstaining from meats on wednesdays and fridays and we we ended up going somewhere else well come friday they were going to a restaurant and i wasn't for dinner a group of them and i wasn't sure if it was one of those restaurants where really men shouldn't be going and and i so i told him i said oh y'all go i'll just i'll just order doordash or something at the hotel and just hang out here and uh but i guess he thought i was thinking about the meat because when he was there he sent me a picture of the menu said oh they have all these these uh fish options and i was like no no that's that's not what i was worried about and and i you know talked to him later about it but did he send you a picture of the wait staff because no (laughs) no no (laughs) that's the decide that's how you know jason yeah yeah i just i just wasn't sure it was a it was a sports bar and i had never heard of it before so i i was just like i just tried to play it safe um and and everything and um but anyway so I have read. Okay, so yesterday was a little bit off for me. I, I was I've been off social media the whole time, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Now, what I what I will say is I did not realize how much of the habit I guess it was because anytime I would have, and I think I mentioned this last Sunday, and it, and it was it was a battle all week. You would sit there and you're kind of idle, and you look at your phone. All of a sudden, I'd click on an app. I was like, oh wait, I can't do that, and I'd close out of it. I think that habit's kind of that starting to die down, but it's definitely still a habit that that is there. Um, yeah. But so I have from the imitation of Christ, I have read that every day except yesterday. I just quite honestly, I just dropped the ball. I was, you know, we were gone all day at wrestling tournaments. Uh, Jason, I'm going to be honest. This, this is not looking good for your excommunication <laughs> case on Tradman. I was, I was like this close to lifting it. Yeah, but then this just killed it. You just you missed one whole day of spiritual reading. I don't know. So, it's not it's not great, but it's not great. Well, it's well, I did I, I I did listen to the, some other spiritual talks last night. If that make or yesterday, if that makes any difference. I mean, <laughs> but uh, I'll put no. it in your file. But I mean, we'll see what happens. It's not looking promising. <laughs> listen, man, I don't make these decisions. Okay, I answered Almighty God Himself. Yeah, okay? I'm 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 just a messenger. What I bind on earth is bound in heaven. Okay, I'm verging. I'm verging. All right. All right. Uh, so um yeah so and then i did a podcast which i, I i'll mention at the end of the show for anybody that wants to check it out what you did I a was podcast a, i was a special guest the man what of the hell? hour <laughs> it, it's a guy he's called his show is called quest for faith oh, his name is I'm brian and like me he found his way home a few years ago that's beautiful that's so, awesome um, awesome. But anyway, I, I'll mention more about that at the okay. end, just just okay. briefly at the end. But, I actually knew he did a podcast, folks. Yeah, I'm just yeah, giving him a hard time. <laughs> so so last night before I I was going to read, and what it made me realize is I'm going to go ahead and set up a timer each night too, just to remind myself if I haven't done my reading yet, it'll remind me because after I got done with that, it was like nine thirty. I went downstairs, you know, talked to the wife, and uh, the older girls were were still up. 
And then I was going to do that. And then I, I had worked out three days this week and I needed one more to hit my four. And I just completely dropped the ball. Both. I was, I woke up this morning. I was like, Oh, I didn't do that before I went to bed last night. So those two, I dropped. So I was one short on the workout though. I will say there was two days where I was way okay. So my job, I used to be in the field and now it's more of an office role, but every now and then I'll go back to the field. And so part of my, the exercise was just to, you know, do something that I didn't want to do because most people don't like working out and I've kind of burned out with it. And, and, And I know that as a, as a good Christian father, as a, as a, good Christian example. I need, you you do need to take care of your body. That's part of it. And there's an aesthetic aspect of it as well. Right. Like I need to deny myself and my comforts. Um, so (laughs) I told my wife one day, I said, I don't know if it's technically cheating. And I said this like on Wednesday, but I said, but all day we we've moved 150 connectors that weigh 100 pounds plus reach and like we're all picking them up by ourselves and having to shelve them and everything so i was like that was that was probably the hardest workout of the week than anything i did at the hotel or on the treadmill here at the house um (laughs) so but in all fairness to stay true i did i technically didn't go to the gym one day um i i did miss one day on my imitation and then the other i think what was the last thing um i know there was adoration uh yeah so adoration that was the one that was kind of out of my control so i I made adoration one day this week when i got back in town um i i did look to see where i was at in midland if there was of course there's a couple catholic churches there i tried to find their adoration information and one of them had their adoration but they only had it one time a week it was on wednesday after their 5 30 or 5 45 mass adoration was after that and i intended to go to that but I actually didn't get back to the hotel till like nine 30 that night and it was already done. So yeah. that one, I don't feel as, as bad about because I mean, sometimes they're just out of your control. I, you know, I was out of town for work, which was out of my control. Cause I wouldn't go out of town if I, <laughs> if my family didn't depend on me being out of town. Um, but yeah. Do so, you, so. How, how often, how often do you travel typically in a month? Man, uh, since COVID, not that much. I mean, I rarely travel now. Before COVID, I, I travel pretty frequently. And years ago, when I was a field technician, I traveled quite quite heavily. But yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I'm I've been over our international field services since 2017. Mm-hmm. But as the company's restructuring and transitioning, um, I don't think that's going to really happen anymore. Um, then, which which. It's great for me because I didn't really want to do it anymore anyway. Yeah. Um, but now, I yeah, I really don't go out of town that much. Yeah, I hated going out of town. I, I it, it was cool for like the first week in my 20s when I got a job that traveled a lot. And then after that, oh, what a drag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a drag. Um, yeah, no, for me, I just have maintained uh, – I haven't really done anything above and beyond what I normally do, um, you know, with my prayer life. And like I said, my my spiritual practices, my, um, my you know, mortification and things like that, I definitely could stand to do uh, a lot more with regards to that. I kind of fall into um, – like I said, I, I kind of fall into that, that group of people who don't start off strong but – I, I, I usually do finish pretty strong and I'll, I'll even go through this during Lent. Like 
week one of Lent for me is just getting into, is like ramping up, like getting into the groove of doing these extra things. And I think for a lot of folks, week one is the easiest week. And then after that, they'll fall off. And I, yeah. I, I kind of do it in the opposite direction. So I, I do kind of feel myself getting into the Advent uh, swing of things, I guess, for lack of a better words. Um, so I'm hoping that, um, you know, I'll finish a lot stronger. For me, the hardest part has just been um, balancing work and balancing work and personal life so that there's room to do everything because I can have a tendency to I really I like to work. I like my job and I can have a tendency to do more of that than I than is necessary. Um, and in the process, it becomes like an idol. It becomes it becomes a type of idol of idolization or um, and or it becomes like a graven thing that you worship your work. And so this is a good time. This is and it's also a difficult time because there's not a lot going on in in the courts and things like that through after 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 thanksgiving all the way through the new year you know there's kind of a minimalist thing going on in the court and i find myself finding things to do for work and yeah. having to stop and say you know take it take a breath focus on the coming of the lord prepare you know prepare your heart for the prepare the way of the lord make straight his paths like we said last week and um, so that's something I'm definitely need, going to need to spend a lot more effort on going forward is spending less time on work because there's, now's a great time to do that because there's not that much going on and then yeah. spend more time, um, you know, forming your will and building, building a manger in your heart and preparing a, a space for the, a sp- preparing a worthy space for the Lord. And that's. Yeah. That's something that, you know, as going forward in week two um, is going to be the, the focus of my efforts. Yeah. So, so one of your um, goals during Advent was pretty interesting. And I think kind of different than what a lot of people do, because not only in what is done when you were talking about keeping your house frequently clean to prepare, but it also involves somebody else and not just, just you you know it was you and your wife which i thought was a really cool thing to to do because now y'all get to do something as a married couple together a devotion you know through this season of advent um i was just curious how that was going with you because y'all said y'all have done it years before right yeah we we do this every year so advent is a is a time when we really focus on keeping the house straight keeping the house clean um as as both an aesthetic practice, because nobody likes to clean, nobody likes to clean house. That's not fun to do. Obviously, you never met my mom. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but well, I can tell you, me and me and Kayla, it's not not our favorite pastime. We do it out of necessity, obviously. But um, uh, and also, there's a a metaphorical uh, typology going on here, where um, our home. You know, if you think about the story of the nativity, there was no room for the king of kings. And he wasn't considered important enough. And he wasn't considered um, high status enough. And so you can sleep out in the barn. And 
you know, everything that our Lord has done by design, he chose to come into the world and he chose to suffer for us. So I'm not, I, I definitely want, don't want to take that away from the story, but um, there's a certain sense where in our house, we want to say, you're welcome here. You can, you can, you can, you can make our home your home. Yeah. Um, and so it's a way of preparing the manger in our own homes and preparing the manger in our hearts um, for the coming of the King of Kings the coming of Messiah, the, the most waited for event in all of human history. And so to the extent that we can do that and, you know, we're not perfect at it, but we, we, we do try and we've done a pretty good job. I think so far, um, my office probably could stand to, uh, I'm sitting here looking at my desk and I could use a good once over, <laughs> but, um, you know, in terms of, you know, the kitchen, bedroom, living room, keeping it vacuumed, keeping it tidy, not letting clutter build up, things like that. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's a great devotion. And I, it's something I think that bears a lot of fruit um, in our spiritual lives, for sure. Plus, you know, you get a clean house every day. That's kind of nice, too. I, I don't know about you, but there's just something freeing about when you walk in a clean and tidy house. It's just, yes. it's so much more relaxing. Like, you see, you know, and I know there's more to it mentally for some people, especially like those hoarder episodes. But sometimes when I just walk in friends or family's houses that are just cluttered, like even though it's not my house, it's still like it. I don't know. It might just be me, but maybe my mom rubbed off on me with her cleaning fanaticism. But just this honing down on you, it just I don't know. It, 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 it doesn't feel relaxing. Clutter is the manifestation of indecision. Huh. And so when you see when you see a bunch of papers and things that like uh, my desk is clearly the manifestation of indecision. <laughs> and so it's a bunch of things. I, I have receipts from the Office of Dispute Resolution. I have um, I have uh, docket calls. I have all these things. These things need to be shredded. Just, just, just shred them, man. Just yeah. get rid of them. And then when you do, you'll feel so much better. And so just, and when you see a piece of paper where you don't know what to make a decision with, even if it's the wrong decision, just make a decision and you'll. Yeah. It, well, and, and I don't want to come off as wrong. I'm not necessarily uh, picking on people that, that have, you know, may have those issues or their home is cluttered because by no means do is our house clutter free clean free 24 7 i mean it's like you said it's a sometimes it's a struggle because when you got kids it's even harder. i don't i don't like it yeah and and yeah and kids it's so frustrating um because you will clean something and then yeah. you move on to something else and you've got to go right back to it i can't tell you how many times i've had to redo the garage because you know the kids bikes and toys and stuff are in there and i'll go and pick up but then even after a while i kind of like oh i'll pick it up later and then before i know it i'm like i've got to clean this garage again but that keeps me from doing something else i need to do so yeah it's a constant battle so i i don't want to sound like it i'm is. picking on somebody and, and i'm just perfect in my cleaning habits but regardless there is something free because once i get that for instance i get that garage clean i just walk out there and it's like oh i can breathe it's not like the oxygen or or amount of air necessarily change. It's just, 
Oh, I can yeah, you feel like you're you feel like you have made necessary decisions that you need to make. And now you can move on to the next thing. And and, and I, I can see like how that surrounded by clutter. You're you're sort of surrounded by decisions you need to make and you can't make them. And you feel a little bit trapped by that. I, at yeah. least that's my my perspective of it. No, no, I I agree with you. Um, And I did like that. Clutter is the manifestation of indecision. I'm going to have to tell Chris of that. Write that down, man. Um, By the way, I don't know what's going on with my camera right now and why it looks like I'm in Blue Man Group, but... um, It doesn't look bad. Doesn't it? It looks like... No, no. It doesn't look look off. It looks so blue. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I I was just going to say, you know, talking about the the clean house and all that and and Mm -hmm. the freeing aspect of that... I can definitely see how that has spiritual benefits. I mean, I mean, you're just, again, you don't feel this stress and burden around you and it probably really frees up your mind to relax and, and try to hear the voice of God because hearing the voice of God amid chaos and noise and noise doesn't necessarily have to be like an audible noise, right? You've got this clutter, which acts as a noise internally in you and, it, it could potentially block you hearing the voice of God when you need to. So I, I can definitely see how a more relaxed. Well, you know, one of the things that's taught you. me is um, I need, I, I need to get rid of some stuff. Like, uh, you know, talking about, we talk about spirit of poverty and poverty as a virtue of religion. That's... And it, man, I own way too many things. I was going through um, doing some laundry and found t-shirts that i have had since before kayla and i started dating that's 18 <laughs> years ago what am i keeping this t-shirt around for but do you like, wear it no <laughs> no i can't wear anything that i wore 18 years ago oh my goodness and so i have all this stuff and it's like i i, I gotta go through my closet and i'm not kidding you jason get rid of at least 60 percent of what's in there either repurpose it uh, give it to uh, a, you know a charity, a food drive, a clothing drive, or just toss it because yeah. you know. And that's another thing that <clears throat> I think can. Uh, it's probably another lesson to learn for Advent, which is that you know, yeah. making straight the way of the Lord has a lot to do with getting rid of what's not necessary and um, yeah. material things can really sort of bog you down. So, well, yeah, and um, I forgot, lost my train. I thought you reminded me of something there. Um, oh, yeah, the t- talk about the unnecessary stuff. Like, for instance, take us, we move into this house and they have um, uh, not bookends, but they have bookcases on either side of the fireplace, custom bookcases that were that the previous owner put in. And it's like, oh, we've got to buy stuff to fill these, so it looks nice, like decorated, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just random like garbage and and i'm gonna be honest i was the bigger driver behind it not my wife i was like well, we need to get something on these so it looks nice it doesn't look good we got like a like a globe that nobody can use we've knickknacks got, and patty wax yeah fake flowers and mason jars and all this <laughs> and that and i'm and you're right i mean we we live in a society where we have so much expendable income that we just buy junk yeah that serves no purpose it's true that's true and i and that man i when it comes to junk and stuff i am the biggest buyer of stuff i love to buy stuff 
and stuff just clutters, man. And then uh, uh, just, I got you eventually at some point you got to get rid of it. Like I actually had, I think one of the reasons I look so blue today is because I had this little light thing. It was like a standing light had, you know, the circle or whatever for yeah. streaming or whatever. And I guess the wire on it snapped or it broke. It didn't have a really long wire. And so I had to kind of stretch it to get it to its power stores. Anyway, the wire snapped and the old me would have said, Oh, I can fix it. Let me fix this, which means it's going to clutter the house for forever for another five or six years until I finally just toss it. So today I just said, no, toss it, get another one. And I, I, I just threw it in the garbage and that's how it happens for me. I just, I've always got, I can use that for something. I'll fix it. I'll get to it. I'll repurpose it. Yeah. It's like, you just, you just, just chunk it, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so talking about Advent, I was going to ask you, mm. I, I know you said you you feel like you're kind of opposite of most people. You take a little time to gain that momentum, start, you know, a lot of people start strong and don't finish as strong, but you're kind of vice versa. Overall, how would you rate your week? Do you think it was at least a successful yes. week for you? Okay. Yes. Yes, I do. Because um, I, I am a believer in – um, you don't always see or experience the, the true spiritual benefit of the things that you do. So even if all you did all week was maintain your normal prayer schedule um, and you can think, well, I, I didn't get all the things done. I, I mean, I did get the, I did keep the house pretty clean this week. Um, I did say the rosary every day, did say my, my morning, evening and night prayers. But I didn't feel like I did anything um, overtly Adventy. I didn't. I didn't do any specific Advent devotions that were just for Advent. But again, um, this the spiritual life is a game of con of consistency. So if you can keep up what you're doing and not fall behind, I think that's a victory. Yeah, and. I try not. I, I try to always remember that I, I personally cannot. I can't just um, produce holiness from within. I, I don't have that power. None of us do. Holiness is a gift from God, and so I think if you look at it that way, and give all your imperfections over to the Lord, nail nail all your imperfections to the cross. I think that's where you see all of your benefits. That's where you see all of the, 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 the progress that you've made in your spiritual life is really God carrying you along the way and you admitting your own weakness and your own fallibility, giving all of that over to Christ and him doing something amazing with it. And yeah. that, that's been my experience. So I would say it was a good week for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that in week two, it's going to, I, my, my devotions will intensify and what by the grace of God, I think they will. Good. Yeah, no, I, I know on my end that I, I definitely feel like I was successful. I mean, there was outside of adoration, which again, I kind of felt was out of my control anyway, but I, I, the two things I did drop the ball on, I missed reading for one day and I missed, um, exercise just one day and it was the same day but like we talked about last episode okay well i dropped the ball and i failed on those two tasks on one day what 
in failure, you should just in, in anything in life, when you fail, you should just say, Oh, I failed and move on. You need to examine, okay, well, why did I fail or what can I do to prevent that failure? So, you know, I look back and I say, okay, I dropped the ball on those. Maybe my failure was not proper time management and planning. Mm -hmm. So I need to, like I said, I'm going to set a reminder and I'm going to <clears throat> try to do it maybe earlier in the day at a consistent time. Um, maybe, maybe part of it was that I wasn't properly oriented my mind through spiritual things throughout the day. Maybe I need to make a concerted effort to do that throughout the day better so that I won't forget those things. So, th so there are options to do it. And again, if, perf if perfection is the goal, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be hard pressed to do it. And, and I know that there are people that, that do penances through Lent and Advent that, that are successful 100%. But I, but I felt like I did things for me that were going to challenge me and push me um, based on things that I'm struggling right, with right now. So I never, I never expected that. So I'm actually quite happy with the success I had this week, though, to your point earlier about starting strong and then falling off is the tendency of a lot of people. I am well aware of that fact. So I know that as the weeks go on, I'm probably going to have to make a more concerted effort to make sure I stay on top of it. Cause if I don't, that, like you said, the first weeks, it's just like people going to the gym at the first of the year. The gyms are packed. First month, everybody's got a plan. Yeah. After that, the gyms are back to normal numbers for the most part. That's mm. I, I don't know if that's just part of being human or what, but that's just a tendency that we seem to have as, as human beings. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> i mean for me i like one of the things i am disappointed in myself in and i don't know maybe it's coming across like i'm not really pleased with how i kicked off advent is i always try to get a confession in early in the first week of advent to start the liturgical year off oh, right and i didn't go to confession this week and it's it's going at me and i just i need to i need to just get up early tomorrow morning it's, there's there's uh, mass and confession. I think confession starts at six a.m. and mass starts at six thirty, and and just go do it. And then I will I will be in the I will be properly oriented to pursue a more vigorous Advent devotion. I think, and that's one of the things I really wanted to do and I didn't do. I'm a little disappointed in myself, but again, um, what's past is past. You know, uh, I, one of the things that I've always liked about one of the things that's been always most attractive to me about Christ is Christ doesn't care who you used to be. Christ cares about who you're trying to be. And that's, and, and thank God for that. I really hope Christ doesn't care about who I used to be because yeah. <laughs> I used to be not such a great guy. Maybe I'm not still, maybe I'm still not that great of a guy, but I'm, I'm working on it. Hopefully. So. Well, I, I need, and maybe I'll get it for next week, but there's actually reading in the imitation of Christ. Um, there's right towards the beginning sections, there's a, that kind of speaks a, a section that kind of speaks to what we're talking about, about, uh, at least the way that I interpreted it about failure and not being good enough and all that. Like you have the decision to make, do you keep pushing forward, trusting in the grace of God, or do you just throw up your hands? I'm gonna have to find it. it I mean, I'm paraphrasing it pretty, pretty bad, <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, it, and and you're right. I mean, we still got three weeks in Advent. Don't don't let it get you down. Like you said, you can go to confession in the morning, and you know if we have any listeners out there who haven't done anything and they listen to this, they're like, man, I want to get on it. Still three weeks. Yeah, I mean, you only you only missed a week. Yeah, you it's only missed a week. Um, yeah, and you know, th- I, I think back to uh, the good thief. His salvation came at the last few seconds of his life, mm-hmm. and before that, you know, who knows what kind of, I mean, he, he, whatever life he led, it led him to the cross. So he probably wasn't living a great life. Um, and yeah. those last few seconds. So, you know, it's never, it, it's too late when you draw your last breath, but up till that point, you know, but you never know when that moment's coming. So, um, you don't want to, you don't want to put it off. That's for sure. Well, as the esteemed, uh, or the highly esteemed movie, dumb and dumber, the line, the class. So you're telling me there's a chance. You're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. We just quoted Dumb and Dumber on Trad Men. Well, that's our new nickname. It well, probably wouldn't be. Yeah, as I was saying. <laughs> that's our nickname, right? That's us. Um, but yeah, I mean, if anybody does listen to this and they've decided to pick up their their some Advent devotions or penances yeah I, I would actually love to hear about it if anybody comments on it you know it'd be kind of yeah, cool to sure. see if we have anybody going along the journey with us absolutely and tell us what's working what's not working and yeah. uh you know what what are some ways you guys are preparing the way of the lord yeah. what a magnificent season advent what a magnificent yeah. season this is really this is our time when we get to live the old testament and um at least go back and I go back constantly and read those, those, what I call the verses of longing, you know, the, how, how they would articulate their, their waiting for the coming of Messiah, Moshiach as the, as the Hebrew name says. And um, the, like the, the, the book of Isaiah talks about the suffering servant and that book was written, what, 400 years before the birth of Christ? It perfectly yes. describes Christ's life to, so, yeah, yeah. to a T. Um, I, think it's so the fifth, I think it's the 55th chapter, 56, something like that. Yeah, something like that. I'm, like I said, I'm not, I, that's, that's where I don't, I'm not good at chapter and verse quotations, but. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a former Protestant, so technically. Yeah. By stereotype, I'm supposed to be. So That's I wanna, right. Get the proof text out. <laughs> so I, I want to see. I want to see if I had it right, because I'm pretty um, sure. Yeah, Isaiah. I know that um, that the book of Isaiah was taken out of the um, the well, it wasn't taken out of the Jewish Bible, but they took they took those chapters out of the 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 services that they used to they used to read in the synagogue so they don't read those chapters in the synagogue and there's a guy who goes around israel and he asks modern day jews have you ever read these chapters from the book of isaiah and they're like no no i've never read those before and so he reads the chapters to them and they start crying i ought to show you some of the uh some of those videos it's quite moving and there have been there have been a lot of uh, conversions that have happened uh, from Jewish people who finally got around to reading those chapters in the book of Isaiah and then realizing that Jesus is the Messiah. 
and uh, it's pretty powerful. There, I would love to get some some um, Jewish converts on this show because there are a few who uh, they still fully embrace their their Judaism, right? So they still yeah. they'll still do Judaic practices, but not because they're bound by the old law, but because it's a it's an, an ethnic um you know it's their ethnic heritage sort of thing but they fully embrace jesus as the messiah and catholic church is the one true church and uh there's about two or three of those guys uh that are online i'd love to get one of them on the show because i think their their testimonies are actually pretty profound and, and awesome jason you got the bible pulled up yeah so former protestants will say no wonder you're catholic you don't know the bible yeah i said i said isaiah 55 is or 56 i was thinking it was 55 it's actually 53 okay isaiah 53. all right Okay. So now I guess I can see why I'm not Protestant anymore. I don't know my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, one of these days we're going to have to go through and, and talk about the Bible because I think, I think a lot of people really don't understand what that is, what, what it's, what it's used for, what, what, it, what the purpose of the Bible is and mm. where it fits into our ecclesiology and, and how Catholics look at it. And, Cause I, I notice a lot of people say things like, like, gotcha, you know, like they'll say something like, like my dad even said one time, he says, you know, that uh, it doesn't say in the Bible, you have to go to church on Sunday. Like, like, gotcha, you know, yeah. which is, which is funny because, you know, I spent two years in a house of religious formation. I have an undergraduate degree in theology and religious studies it had never occurred to my dad that I read the Bible once or twice before in my life. Mm-hmm. That did, he, he, he was honestly under the opinion that I had never cracked that book open and that he was about to just blow my mind. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I said, well, dad, that's not why we go to, we, we don't go to church every Sunday because we think it's written somewhere in the Bible. We have to, this has nothing to do with it. Yeah. The only thing it says in the Bible is to keep, the Sabbath, well, we don't celebrate the Sabbath anymore. So what's that mean? Uh, you know, so I think we ought to really go through like what, what that book is, well, what it's used for and how it works and what the, what the sources. Well, and, I'm going to, I'm going to proof text a little bit for you. Okay. So actually when you read in the new Testament, if you believe examples are important, you read about the early Christians meeting upon the first day of the week to do what to break bread to break bread so so really you could make more of the argument yeah you could actually make the argument that it does show and tell you that you should be going to church but see that's the problem for instance take take if uh, a faith alone person or a once saved always saved they will show you verses all throughout romans and 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 a few other places that say hey look all you need is faith alone and then you you show them James. And of course, you just go back and forth. Nobody ever makes any progress. Or you talk about baptism. You you, you show them Acts 2.36, or is it Acts 2.36 to 38? Uh, Acts 22.16, 1 Peter 3.15. You, know, you, you show them these where it talks about baptism being necessary. And they'll show you, no, no, look, it says that, that our faith is what saves us. And again, you make no progress. But the the thing is, is the Bible gives you a solution. Jesus Christ literally gave you a solution to disputes in the Bible. And ultimately, the final arbitrator of the disputes 
is the church, which is the, the pillar church. and foundation of truth, is which yeah. what scripture tells us. Scripture doesn't say that scripture is the pillar and foundation of truth. It says the church is, which includes sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and the magisterium of the Catholic Church. I mean, yeah, and in fact, and in fact, there's an example of, of this happening in Acts. The first council of Jerusalem is an example in which the church with its with its with its declares its authority to yeah. uh, to to nullify the uh, circumcision requirement even though if you wanted to know if circumcision is required we'll just go back and look in the torah what does the torah say yeah. the torah is quite clear it's required okay yeah. so what happened what happened was exactly what it says in the bible peter writes a letter Myself, together with the brethren and the Holy Ghost, have determined something else. And mm -hmm. that's what's authoritative. And what's funny, if you read this, it's the Pharisees who converted to Christianity, who bring up this, this controversy. And then at the end, it says the brethren were elated. They were happy to receive the news. So even these Pharisees who convert to Christianity accept... The, the, the authority of the church over the Torah. Yeah. So that's, that's an example right there. And again, yeah, we're going to have to go through a whole thing. Cause I think, well, you know, if we were Jews, we could just look in the Torah to see what Torah says, and then look at the rabbinical commentators of Torah and see how they interpret it. And that's really what you do. But Why? even then they did, even today they don't agree. And they definitely didn't right. agree definitely back in agree, the time but, of Christ. But it's like, but if you were to ask a Jew, why can't I eat pork? Well, the first thing that you would say is you can't eat pork. I can't eat pork because this, this law applies to the Israelites. You're not an Israelite, so you can eat yeah. pork. I can't, okay? But, instead, but if you were to ask, okay, why can't you eat pork? He'd give me a very simple answer because Torah commands it, period. Yeah. There, is no, there is no foundation. We don't, you, you don't get to apply to the natural law under the old law because you, have, you are not a redeemed creature in the old law. You basically just sort of get to have a relationship with God that's special in in result and in and in return, you're gonna to have to live under his thumb for a while under a list of arbitrary um and in some cases draconian laws, and you don't get to ask why and, and how come and, and that's not fair. Sorry, thems is the breaks. And what Christ does at Calvary is he returns us to the state we were in Eden. Where we could, where we were free to do all the things that humans were free to do. But if you remember, even before the fall, there were things we were not supposed to do. In fact, mm -hmm. the entire reason the fall happened is we did something that God told yeah. us you're not supposed to do these things. So there are limitations, even to redeemed creatures. There are limitations placed on your behavior. So the idea that well we don't have to worry about the sexual morality of the old law because that's the old law and we're redeemed creatures. Mm -hmm. Yes, but you're not free to do any darn thing you please. You're not, you, the, this whole thing happened because you convinced yourself you were God. And now wow. you realize you're not. And that's the state that we live in. We live down here in the hierarchy of creation, not up here, like right here. Okay. We're above the rest of the animals, but we're not above or equal to God. Well, uh, real quick, because I knew, sorry, First Peter, I said First Peter 3.15. I didn't knew that didn't sound right. First Peter 3.21 that says baptism doth also now save us. Um, so I was a few verses down. Man, I, I'm losing it since I've become Catholic. 
I used to be able to spit those out like that. Dude, have you ever noticed in the um, in the in the letters, like the Pauline letters, and then the the other ap apostolic letters, how much time is spent um, telling people to be leery of false preachers and false mm -hmm. gospels and false teachers? And you want and it, dude, and you go back and how will you always know what the false teacher is? What are they always trying to push? It's the same thing James Martin's pushing today. It's it always it's always been the thing. Yeah. It's always been the thing going back to the first century. Well, also, like when you read, and I know we're kind of off topic here, but I, I enjoy this topic anyway. And I welcome to Trad Man, if you've never listened. <laughs> um, like when you, so one of the favorite verses that sort of people that believe in sort of scripture will try to use is in, uh, what is it? Second Timothy, where, you know, it says, uh, I forgot how it goes, but uh, basically the scriptures will make a man whole or make him complete for every good work. And, but if you go back up, they'll also reference how Paul says that the, when he's writing to Timothy, the scriptures, uh, how does it say? And I'm paraphrasing the scriptures will, you know, you've known the scriptures from your youth and they've taught you this and that. But if you're going to, if you're going to use that to say, see scripture is the ultimate authority and you're going to use what Paul is saying to Timothy, well, guess what? Timothy did not have the New Testament. Yeah. So what you're so now you're arguing that the Old Testament is sufficient. Right. Right. And of course, that's that's not right. Um, one one thing that I learned, um, and I wish I knew this back back in the day, because um I've mentioned before on the show that I actually grew up in a Protestant sect where it was not a faith only once saved, always saved. You could we believed you could lose your salvation. And we also believed that baptism was necessary, but you also needed to have works showing that faith, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't, Oh, well, the works are just an added bonus. Baptism is just a external showing of something that's already happened inwardly. Right. Yeah. That doesn't have any, any redeeming benefits. So we, so when I would talk to um, people that were faith alone, um, I didn't know this, but they would always reference works of the law because Paul talks about works of the law. I didn't know this, so I read John Bergsma's book, The Dead Sea Scrolls, and he mentions in there, and he's like, you can Google it if you want, but he says there is only one place outside of St. Paul in ancient literature where works of the law was, was mentioned. Do you know where that is? I do not. The Dead Sea Scrolls, and that wasn't discovered till the 1940s. And they, so it was the Essenes writing to the Pharisees, and they say works of the law. That's the only other time in ancient history, in ancient literature, that that phrase comes, is written outside of Paul. And in this Dead Sea Scrolls that the Essenes were writing, they even say, you reckoned it as righteousness. What does that sound like? Paul writes that. Mm -hmm. You reckon it is righteousness. So Paul is clearly making reference to this. Okay, so what are they talking about? What were the essays talking about? Because when you talk to those that believe in faith alone and works are not necessary, they will say, well, works of the law and anything in the Old Testament. There's nothing you can do. No, no almsgiving, no, uh, no, no being a good person and helping people. Nothing you do matters, right? Well, when you read this document, Works of the law had nothing to do with that. It was all the ritual purities. 
cleansings and mm. pitchers. And, and this is what they're talking about. You don't yeah. want they're, they're tearing the Pharisees like you take one cup that's unclean, pour an unclean or, or use a clean pitcher to pour in the unclean cup. The pitcher's now dirty, is unclean. Right. That's that's what they're talking about, and that is what Paul is talking about because the Essenes were telling the Pharisees these things are necessary for your salvation, yeah. and Paul is saying no, they're not. But see, the beautiful thing about the Catholic Church is their position once again was proven right, and Saint Thomas was proven right with his distinctions in the law because you know he talks about there being a moral, civil, and uh, what is it, judicial or something like that. And that the moral law never changes, but your civil laws and stuff like that can change. And again, the Catholic Church position was was right that the moral law from the that's why the Ten Commandments still matter. That's why when we talk about homosexuality, that's why they still matter because those are eternal laws from God that never change. So the dead, like again, the Dead Sea Scrolls, especially this document, it's it's called. Uh, I don't know if there's actually a name for it, but it's 4QMMT, and it talks about this. So really, I wish I had known about this document years ago because to me, I use it now in my apologetics when I talk to people because I'm like, okay, well, you keep referencing works of the law. Do you know what that is actually in reference to? It's not to the just Old Testament in general. Works of the law, Paul was referencing something very specific. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, well, I, I, yeah, got, I, I got way off base there, but well, the, the Pharisee, the, 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 so the Pharisees were a holiness movement that started at the end of the Babylonian exile, and the idea was this: the idea that came about be, that the Babylonian exile happened because the tribe of Judah did not obey the Torah, and 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 so the the idea is through meticulous obeyance of all six hundred and thirteen misvotes in in the. Uh, in the uh, in the scrolls of uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, that we could we could assuage God's anger and He would bring forth Messiah, and you know Israel's final victory would occur. But in in Christ, we know that our good works in and of themselves do not save us; they are manifestations of God's work within us. And so if we don't do everything right, I did my best, but I came up short. I, I, I was praying the, the morning louds and I got, I mispronounced uh, uh, like most of the words in here because I was trying to do it in Latin and I don't know that I pronounced the words correctly or whatever. I don't think God punishes people for doing their best and falling short. Right. The Pharisees would say, no, no, no every single 613 misvotes have to be obeyed perfectly or you didn't do it. You didn't do it right. And yeah. so that's, that's really the difference is it's not the works that save us that it's not the work that we do that save us. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and, and of course the old law has been fulfilled, not abolished, but fulfilled. It's been fulfilled perfectly in Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And thus, to obey the old law is a denial of, of that sacrifice on Calvary. However, there are Jewish people who convert to the Catholic Church 
who do follow um, the Mosaic law, not because they believe you have to in order to be saved or in order to be a good Jew or anything like that. It's sort of like a devotional, they, they do it in Jesus's name, so to speak. So like when they're, they're so they would celebrate the Sabbath meal. And instead of celebrating the Sabbath, because it's the mitzvot, it's the, it's the law, they would celebrate Sabbath in recognition of everything about Christ that, that that symbolizes, knowing that that, that, that has fully been fulfilled uh, in Christ. And so it's a little bit different. And before I get called a Judaizer, uh, his eminence, Cardinal Burke spoke on this and says that it's, a, it's, it's totally fine to do that. And there's no uh, conflict or, or, or anything like that, because interestingly enough, Judaism is the one religion that, while it is not Catholic, it is not considered a different religion, interestingly enough. And it can't be considered evil to do these things because our Lord did these things. Our Lord read the Torah in, in, in Hebrew and our Lord practiced the Passover and he practiced the Sabbath meal and things, things like that. So it certainly wouldn't be, cannot be considered evil to do that because our Lord did it. But again, it all comes down to your dispositions and things like that. And I invite you to go look up that interview with his eminence, Cardinal Burke, and exactly what he says. So that uh, is okay. So yeah, j just a couple things. Yeah. So definitely, you're. I agree with you. There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. That's not what Catholics mean when we say that works are necessary because no Catholic well-formed Catholic at least believes that you can earn your way into heaven. That's not what the church teaches right. and, and whatnot, but I might push back a little bit on you on one thing. That's not allowed, Jason. You're excommunicated again. <laughs> and, and you may correct me. You may, you, you may, you may, I probably said on. it wrong, but you might be no, right. We'll see. So was it Cardinal Burke that said the Jewish religion is not considered a different religion or is that something that the church teaches? Okay. So, here again, we have rabbinic Judaism actually comes I, about after. And I, and that's what I was going to get at. I, that's what I was going to maybe kind of push back on because right. Yeah. From my, from my understanding. Yeah. Rabbinic Judaism came after and because one, they can't make sacrifices anymore. The, the temple right. is, the temple right. is gone where they're required and there's uh but anyway, um, I think what I meant, because yeah, you're you're right. You couldn't you you couldn't say like, for example, oh, I'm going to incorporate Kabbalah and I'm going to incorporate the Talmud into my Catholic spiritual practices. That that would be like yeah. absurd, right? Because the, the Jesus is spoken of in the Talmud and not very pleasantly. Well, um, isn't so, I, I guess my question was, and and I may be way off, but isn't rabbinic Judaism in many ways quite different than the Judaism practiced by Jesus in the first century and and historically the Jewish difficult at that time? Difficult to know, but it, the assumption yeah. would be yes. I mean, essentially, the the issue is people didn't write a lot of things down in the first century. They certainly didn't write things down for posterity's sake, mm -hmm. um, because. Most people in those days did not read or write, so there was not a lot of need to write a lot of things down. And so, like, one of the criticisms you'll find is, well, there's not a lot of extra biblical um, evidence for Jesus, you know, uh, from the first century. Well, there is, but you're right, there's not tons, because there's not tons of evidence for anybody in the first century. I mean, they just didn't write a lot of things down in those days. So the fact that anybody wrote anything about this first century Galilean carpenter means that 
without a doubt, he is a historical figure who really did exist in first century yeah, Palestine. I don't think any serious scholar or any There's serious no historian serious is going to dispute that he dispute that Jesus was the historical person. Yeah. But um, in terms of was the, the Judaism in, at, at the time of Christ, the same as the Judaism of today, I highly doubt it. Um, I do think there are certain practices which are similar. And that's really what, what I think Cardinal Burke was talking about is the, the individual practices of certain things. Like if you were to um, uh, light Hanukkah candles, for example. Okay. So doing that uh, with the understanding of these are all things that have been fully fulfilled by Christ in the Holy Catholic Church um, is, is fine. That's what, what I understood Cardinal Burke was saying. Um, if you wanted to, um, you know, like the, the Shema prayer is a prayer that I've incorporated into my daily spiritual practice. And it's, it's sort of like, I call it the Jewish, our father, every, Jew what is does, it? It's, it's Deuteronomy five, right? Yeah. Right. Deuteronomy. I think it's Deuteronomy six, but, but it essentially, it, Man, it's, am I off that much? It's a, uh, it's a prayer. Every Jew knows because you're supposed to teach it to your children. You're supposed to really concentrate when you say it. And so they would, they'll, they'll put their hands up over their eyes like this when they pray it. And it says, uh, Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohenu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kivod Malachuto La'olam Ba'ed, which means, um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. Um, You're right. You're right. It is six. I'm, I'm going to quit showing off. <laughs> uh, it is six. Because I keep getting off one or two verses or one or two chapters. And so I, when I pray that prayer, I think about all the times our Lord, our Lady, St. Joseph, St. Peter would have said that prayer every single day. And right to, and so to Our Lady, to St. Peter, to St. Joseph, was, to them was shown the promise of that kingdom, that glorious kingdom, who is Christ Jesus himself. And so Christ would have grown up saying that prayer. Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. But um, you're not supposed to do prayers uh, that just repeat over. That's right. No vain repetitions. No, no vain, vain repetitions. <laughs> uh, but I don't consider myself a Judaizer, and I hope I'm not one. I'm, I'm sure the comment uh, section is just going to get lit. But um, Well, I think that's why it would be awesome if we could get one of these ladies or gentlemen, whoever – yeah. To, who who is part of that to talk because because I do have questions because like I said re, rabbinic Judaism from my understanding is not really the same as the other now there are overlapping overlapping prayers right. and themes and beliefs obviously right but but that's why sometimes and I'm gonna get canceled for this that's why I'm kind of hesitant to necessarily say it's the same re, you know it's the same religion because the Catholic Church is the fulfillment of the kingdom of Israel is, or, or the Jewish nation is a fulfillment of the old Testament. Right? right. 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 But I, but I think that you have to make that distinction that modern day Judaism is not, is not necessarily the same. And that's Definitely. what I would, that's what I would like to talk about. I'm not saying I'm right. I might be wrong. And, and no, I think but, you are right. I think you are right. I, and I wouldn't say, see, and, and, but Cardinal Perg, he was very interesting in the way he worded it. He didn't say they're the same religion. He just said it's not a different religion. When I know that sounds like that's kind of the same thing, but yeah. in a sense, 
It's not because what Catholicism is, is the fulfillment of the Israelite religion, the true continuation of the mm -hmm. Israelite religion, which is not Judaism. Remember, these things, Israel, Israel is 12 tribes. Judah is only one. And what we, what we consider Judaism as practiced by the remnants of the tribe of Judah, in most cases, is not the way that the Israelite religion was practiced. And the Israelite religion involves the sacrificing and the and you know and, and all these other things. The law of Moses is an is an Israelite um, uh, law. And if you think about it, uh, the only place where sacrifice is still being offered is the Catholic Church. That's where the sacrifice is still offered. Mm -hmm. And it is it is the and if you you've, if you've ever been to uh, a Shabbat dinner or a Passover meal, you will look at that and you will instantly recognize, oh, this is the mass. They, this looks, in fact, the prayers, the, 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 the prayer over the bread is Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaCholam Asher Kirishana B'Mitzvotah Berat Savanyu Bore Beri HaGafen, which literally means, blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, through your goodness and mercy, we offer to you this bread. It's the offertory. It's the offertory. So it can't really, it's not that it's the same religion. It's just that we're the true continuation of the Israelite religion. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, what I what, would say. One of my favorite stories that I've read the within the past few years was during the reign of Julian the Apostate, when he was trying to build rebuild the temple in order to undermine Christianity. He was going to rebuild the temple so that they could, the Jewish people could um, perform their sacrifices again. Right. Mm -hmm. And f you had a Christian historian, you had a Jewish historian and you had a pagan Roman historian. And they all write that unusual things were happening. Every time they would try to build, there'd be an earthquake or it was like fire from heaven coming. Basically there was unnatural events happening at least the way they viewed them as unnatural happening that did not allow them to build that. And you mentioning that, that the mass is a continuation of that, that they're uh, of the, of the old law in that or, or worship as far as the sacrifice, because we're still offering sacrifice, albeit an unbloody sacrifice, um, you know, but the fact that we're still offering that, it, it kind of make it just kind of makes you think. Yeah, of course they're never going to rebuild that because, you know, Jesus said he was going to tear down the you know the 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 temple would be destroyed, but he would you know he his body would rise in three days, right? right. And uh, you know he foretells the the destruction of the temple, and it happened in seventy A.D. And um, yeah, so I I don't ever see the temple and, and being Saint, rebuilt. And Saint Paul refers to the Catholic Church as the New Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And that that's a reference to the Catholic Church being the new temple, the, the third temple. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things that Messiah is prophesied to do is rebuild the temple for the last and final time. And the temple that he rebuilds can never be destroyed yeah. and, will, and, 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 and holy and blameless sacrifice will be offered in that temple forever. This, this goes all the way back to Ezekiel, Isaiah, the, the, all the, the, 
the, the prophetic writings, Jeremiah, have all talked about this. Yeah. And so when you look at the Catholic Church as the new Jerusalem, the new temple, and Christ is the high priest, he is, he is not just the victim, he is the priest. Mm -hmm. And priesthood in the Israelite religion is something, it's not a vocation, it's, it's a birthright. You have to be born into a priestly family or otherwise receive your priestly faculties by some sort of birthright relationship. Jesus of Nazareth, by virtue of his Davidic kingship, has a has a right to priesthood okay he is priest prophet and king and so what father van fleet and father rock and all of your normal parish priests all the way up to the pope himself what they're doing is by by virtue of the sacrament of holy orders they are participating in jesus's priesthood that's why when they stand up at the altar they stand in persona christi christ is the one doing all of the transubstantiating He's the one who does all of that stuff on the altar. It's not a magic trick that the priest performs. The priest stands in persona Christi, and that's why the priest is able to say, this is my body. I'm not eating the body of Father Charles Van Fleet. I'm eating yeah. the body of Jesus Christ, which, and again, this is all sacramental theology. That's why the priest has to say, ego te absolvo in the, in the confessional. He doesn't say, Jesus absolves you. Or says, we absolve I, you. Or, yeah. right, I absolve you of your sins. And he is able to do that by virtue of the sacrament of holy orders. He participates in Christ's priesthood. And thus he has the authority to, to do that. So it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's all very intricate and sacramental theology stuff that um, I really like to talk about. And I like to get into it. I know we've gone way over. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, so Advent. Okay. So Advent. Advent. So here's the thing. None of this would have happened without the season of Advent, without Indeed. the first coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll tie it all back. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, but before we go, I, I just did want to mention, unless you had something else on topic I, no, before. No, I, go ahead. Like we're on topic. Yeah, yeah on topic? Um, oh, no, I don't have anything on topic. <laughs> so I did a really cool episode last night um, with the gentleman. His name is Brian. He's over at Quest for Faith. And he is actually a convert from the Churches of Christ like, like I was. So he wanted to have me on his show just to kind of talk about experiences that we both had and, and whatnot. And it was a really fun episode to do. Of course, we couldn't cover everything in the little over an hour that we did. Um, so we've talked about having him maybe come on our show discussing, um, what else? And yeah. And, and anyway, he was, he was a really, really cool guy. I'll leave, uh, I'm going to post the episode once he does, he's going to send me it and I'll cut okay. an intro and put it on our channel, but, uh, yeah, check it out. It's, it, it'll be, it, it's a really cool episode. Um, it was really fun and, one reason I want to have him come on our show as well is because like I mentioned to you off offline that I think that you could ask or questions or give insight maybe that, that those that weren't in the churches of Christ don't have. And maybe we can kind of go through that and kind of expose a couple converts from the churches of Christ. Cause when I was converting and he said the same thing, it's not like we could click online and there was a whole lot of, people from the churches of Christ that you could relate to. Right. Um, and we talk about why that is in the episode. So if you check it mm, out, but interesting. I think it'll, I, I think it'll be beneficial. Even if, even if you don't care about the sect or you've never been a part of it, I think there's a lot of things in there that they can benefit you. 
Also coming up on Thursday, uh, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Don't forget, don't forget, got to go to church. And then um, we do have another show before um, Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is on the 12th. But um, for if you're a member of the Confraternity of St. Peter, which I recommend all of you to become, it's the lay organization that is attached to the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter. And I'll put a link in the description to that, uh, how you can sign up. But if you're a member of the Confraternity of St. Peter, uh, you have the eligibility to obtain a plenary indulgence on that day under the usual conditions. So that's confession, communion, and prayer for the Holy Father. I know. Um, and uh, we still got to pray for him. You may not, you may not like him, but you still got to pray for him. Um, and then if under those conditions uh, on the 12th, uh, because it is a, um, it is an official feast of the fraternity, uh, you have the opportunity for a plenary indulgence. So that might, I, I think if I took advantage of that, I would definitely be in the advent groove. So I'm definitely going to, going to do <laughs> yeah. that for sure. Um, other than that, that's all I got. Jason, any parting thoughts? No, no, just I, I hope everybody continues to have a blessed Advent. And like Mark said, make sure you get to church this week on the 8th. And uh, life is hard, but it's harder when you don't say the rosary. We'll check in with you guys next week. God bless everybody. God bless.